0: This is NFL.com's Coach's Show Podcast.
1: 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's them, And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam.
0: Brian Billick and Steve Mariucci here for the Coach's Show podcast. This week, we welcome Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera to preview their big game between the Panthers and 49ers. But first, we react to the entertaining wild card weekend that was. The Coach's Show podcast starts right now. Well, Steve, a little bit different. We're doing this via phone call. Where I'm, just, I'm on the East Coast. You're on the West coast. But you spent <laughs> the whole last week on the, on the East Coast. First, I want to hear a little bit about your game that you do for Under Armour.
1: Oh boy, the high school all-American Under Armour game is—I've done it now uh, four years, Brian—and coach that thing. Dion Sanders is on my staff. Lavar Arrington and Herm Edwards coaches the other team, and it's—we have a blast. And these kids are so talented. I mean, you, you choose 90 kids out of. Over 200,000 that play football as seniors and they're the cream of the crop. And we get a chance to get to know them a little bit, coach them up and then play the game on Thursday night and just let them go. They are fantastic. You know, you know, we've had some Jameis Winston and Mad Barkley and Braxton Miller and all kinds of guys have played in this game and there will be uh, more superstars every year.
0: Sounds like great fun. Well, before we get into the matchups, the big matchups coming this weekend, let's talk a little bit about what we saw last weekend. What was the biggest thing that jumped out of you out of the wild card weekend?
1: Oh, geez, so many things. And we're getting such good football here late in the season and, and, and early in the playoffs. I guess one thing that comes to my mind is, Brian, and this might dovetail right into that discussion about reseeding the playoffs, three road teams won. And, and you know, your Saints go to Philly, and, and, and you know, the Saints actually had a better record, but they were the road team. They go into Philly and win. San Diego goes into Cincy and wins convincingly. San Francisco, with a better record, goes into Green Bay and wins in the cold. And so, uh, you know, the home field advantage is, is is real. However, some of these teams that are having to travel are uh, you know they're they're essentially
0: better football teams with better records, having to travel and, and they're winning. What jumped out at me is when you watch the quarterback play, and obviously with San Francisco and Green Bay because of the weather, you could understand what the circumstances were going to be. But as you watched uh, Andrew Luck and what he was able to do, I mean, sitting there at that thirty-eight to ten, and I'm like, mm-hmm. probably you and everybody else in America thought, well, this thing's over. There's no way this is going to get turned around, and for him to come back the way he did, it was almost a a sense that, you know, I'm not going to be the one that cost us this game, and he threw Mm -hmm. the three interceptions, so you know you felt that responsibility, and you compare that to what Andy Dalton, I know Andy Dalton's getting killed right now, uh, and I've been a supporter of Andy Dalton, but it's getting awful tough, because when you look at these two guys, I mean, if you were to size it up first, which defense would you choose to have, if if you could? uh, Indianapolis or Cincinnati's? Cincinnati's Absolutely. <laughs> and the receiving core, which if you had to choose which receiving Cincinnati. core, which one it would be, Cincinnati or an Indy?
1: Yeah, Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati, for sure.
0: right, with A.J. Green and Gresham, and they've got uh, Tyler Eifert and, and uh, Jones and those guys. And, and, of course, in Indy, it's really just it's just T.Y. Hilton and, and a bunch yeah. of guys. And I'm not sure you wouldn't take the running backs from Cincy as well. Uh, to me, that just underlines w- the, exactly what Andrew Luck was able to do with really kind of a lesser team, at least in my opinion, and against yeah. maybe a superior opponent because, you know, obviously Kansas City went in higher ranked than than San Diego. So I don't know if that's indictment or Andy Dalton or just Andrew Luck is just Superman. Well, I, I think
1: choice B because and I felt a little bit bad with, with uh, Andrew Luck, you know, during that game with throwing those picks. You know, you can see the disgust in his face, you know, but he's so unflappable the kid just keeps playing – And he wills that team to victory. How about that fumble recovery on the goal line? And instead of falling on it, he says, oh, no, I'm going to go over the goal line and slam dunk this thing for a touchdown. I mean, they feed off of his toughness and his energy. This is, without question, the very, very next superstar over there in Indy.
0: And and with uh, Kansas City, and we saw it in Green Bay as well, and so many. Boy, I, I don't know that if I'm not still in the playoffs, I don't get all the DBs together collectively and say, guys, you know, I've been in this game for about 40 years, so I'm going to give you a key piece of advice. Back up. I can't <laughs> believe how many deep balls we got over the deepest safety in the game.
1: Oh, I know it. It's, I think we're forgetting how to play defense a little bit. I, I get this new offensive rules and, and spread offense stuff, and let's throw the ball around. But, gosh, I, we need to play some defense in this league. You know, you mentioned, Brian, Kansas City. And you and I have been in this situation before where, uh, you know, you get towards the end in the playoffs and locked into a seed. And Kansas City, you know, was locked into that fifth seed and couldn't do any better or worse. So Andy rest half the football team and allowed San Diego to get in the playoffs, basically. And and then uh, he goes uh, with a fresh team, supposedly a fresher team, into Indy. And he loses that game 45 to 44, but in the process, he gets five injuries, bad injuries to, you know, a lot of good players, Jamal Jamal Charles and Brandon Flowers and Justin Houston are all pro bowlers, and they get hurt, and then Nile Davis, their other running back, and Donnie Avery, five injuries in that game. And really, uh, you know, not to make an, an excuse or anything, but you'd like to have your starting tailback longer than the first series of the game. But that's exactly the re- – for the people out there that are saying, hey, you should play every game and every player, this is exactly the reason why you arrest guys. Because football, you get guys hurt. And if this were to happen in that in San Diego game in Week 17, my God, he wouldn't have had a chance. So, so, uh, you know, I, I felt bad for Andy and that team that got banged up and having to, to, you know, divulge a, a, a 28 point uh, lead and then uh, it all comes apart because they're missing so many players.
0: And obviously a phenomenal year for Andy Reid and Kansas yeah. City coming back from a 2 and 14. But do you think, could this linger? When, when that kind of a loss? Do you think that could be mm. something that carries forward? You don't want hangover. It to hangover. And you say it won't, but it's, you know, it's kind of like when we were kids, and you're out wrestling in the backyard with your brother and come in all banged up, and your mother tells you, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> Is this going to leave a mark? <laughs>
1: well, I was the oldest brother. I used to kick my little brothers, butt, <laughs> but, um,
0: yeah, it, I hope
1: not. I think Andy will handle this right, and, and he'll add to that. Very talented team with eight pro bowlers and, and draft well. And, uh, they'll hit it running. They're going to be a good football. I think Alex Smith has got to feel good about, you know, 99% of that game, 378 yards, four touchdowns. He missed a couple throws. He'd like to have back in the, at the end there, but I think they're going to be good going forward. You, you know what else in that, in that AFC is crazy, Brian, is Denver, you know, most people think they're the team to beat and they are, but we're down to the final four in each conference, right? Well, the other remaining three teams in the AFC are teams that beat Denver already. New England, Indy, and San Diego are all still alive in the playoffs, and they've all beaten the Broncos. It's going to get interesting.
0: Well, that leads me into let, let's talk about the games coming up. And with that, that segue there, let's talk about two teams that played one another, and it was ugly when the Saints went in to play Seattle. They lost 34-7 to in probably as bad a outing. As New Orleans and Sean Payton and Drew Brees have ever had, let's talk about what, why this game might be different. You know, why is it likely not going to be the beatdown that we saw before? Yeah.
1: Well, and it's that game where you know 34 to seven beatdown, and it was very lopsided statistically. It was the worst drew Brees and sean payton's offense has had in years and and then of course they remember that well and they also remember the Beastquake game when they went into uh seattle when seattle was seven and nine remember that and and uh upset the saints so they they don't have a lot of fond memories over there in front of that 12th man but i i'd, I'd like to think that the saints are better now or you know, better equipped to 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 fight these guys up there. You got the veteran quarterback with Drew Brees. Of course, you know you'd rather have him than some youngster. And then you you have a team now with the Saints that they're running the football where they run for 185 yards last game, and they're playing run defense, and they stopped Philadelphia, the best rushing team in the league, held them to 80 yards rushing, and so. You know, so those are the couple of things that have, have to take place. Run the ball, stop the run, and and have a quarterback play well in order for them to have a chance. And I think they do have a
0: chance. Well, the thing I'm going to be anxious to see is if that New Orleans defense, and Rob Bryan's done a phenomenal job, taking it from literally the last ranked defense in the league in historical numbers to a top five defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the running attack of Philly is a little bit different. They try to spread you out. They try to number count you, and they did a great job with that, as you just alluded to. Seattle's kind of team says, no, we don't care. We're just we're going to get in the eye and just pound away. Yeah, they
1: got that fullback that's a dinosaur in our league now. But, boy, and I don't every know team if, has
0: one. I'll be interested to see if New Orleans can hold up against that type of running game and that type of pounding. Uh, and then the flip side of it is we all know that uh, uh, New Orleans can really spread you out with great matchups, but that secondary is so physical and that four man rush of Seattle is so strong. Uh and I did the last game against New Orleans and, and uh, Armstead, Tron Armstead held up okay, obviously this last week, but that's gonna be a little bit different challenge against that Seattle group.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, plus the twelfth man with that pass rush that you're talking about. You know, you get guys like Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill that have come over from Tampa and Detroit and they don't even start for that team. That's how much depth they have. And, the de- you know, Brandon Browner's not playing, but you got Byron Maxwell playing well. John Schneider and Pete have really put together a deep team in most every position right there. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a good one. I, I uh, But as you know, you know, you throw out all the records and you throw out the past and you start over every game, and uh, anything can happen in these crazy playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating one in the NFC. Let's let's stay with the other NFC game, or I mean, let's let's bounce around. I'm going to start with the early games. Go with the Colts and the Patriots. And obviously, we just saw a huge uh, comeback from the Colts. The thing I'm being asked all day in the different interviews that I do: uh, Could there be a residual emotional drain for uh, the Colts after a huge come from behind to now have to go on the road? You think they might be a little worn out?
1: You have to come off of cloud nine, I guess, to play this game, but they better they better get their minds right because New England is no fun place to play in December and January. They have such a great winning record over there. And You know, we hear, Brian, that Bill, it's kind of cliche-ish, but Bill Belichick will take away what you do best. Well, everybody tries to do that, um, but he usually gets it accomplished, you know, and what is, what, what do the Colts do best? Well, T. Y. Hilton now is their guy, and there's no Reggie Wayne, and and Andrew Luck finds him and looks to him quite often. 18 targets, 13 catches, so it's going to be interesting to see if they t- take Akib to leave or or if they double him, or you know, just how are they going to take away Andrew Luck's favorite weapon? But the other side of the ball concerns me for the Colts. You know, and you and you asked which one I would prefer the the Bengals defense or the Colts defense? The Colts secondary is vulnerable in my mind. And heck we just saw Alex Smith, you know, throw the ball for three seventy eight and four touchdowns, uh, with no picks against them. Well, they got another good guy coming up named Tom Brady, and he's got weapons galore that he's scattering the ball around to. So that Colt secondary man is gonna get tested and I think they're gonna give up a ton of points.
0: Yeah, and they they just didn't look healthy. You could see that yeah. early on as well. They the way they, they, they tried to battle through it. But, um, you know, Vontae Davis was struggling, and then Toller as well couldn't even finish the game. I don't know what their status is for this game. Vontae Davis wanted back in the game, obviously. But uh, they're just, you know, I- I'm with you 100%. I think that is a bad matchup for them, and I'm with you 100% about T.Y. Hilton as I'm watching the game. You know, I- I- we've been in those kind of games. I've gone to my defensive coordinator. I'd, I'd have gone right to uh, the defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton, and said, tell you what, I don't want to see T.Y. Hilton catch another pass. I don't care if we get beat 50 to nothing. I don't right. care if everybody so about the line else. Wow, I don't want that guy to catch another ball because, you know, they had to know that's where he was going, but it seems like that's you know, that's all he did the second half, and I kept seeing one-on-one matchups on T.Y. Hilton.
1: Crazy. And 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 I think as a, just a fan watching, you just kind of know where they're going to go with the thing, and, and uh, I don't know. You're right. I, they just didn't seem to put enough – Uh, concerted effort into saying, hey, this guy is somebody we've got to eliminate, at least push coverage to him or whatever that is. Anyway, I I got a feeling that Bill Belichick will do that.
0: Yeah, and Tom Brady, I'm with you 100% the way he's going to spread it out. And, you know, I said it before the season started, that if Tom Brady can do anywhere close to what he did last year with this group that he's dealing with and all the losses of Hernandez and Woodhead and, Welker and that whole nine yards yeah. and Gronkowski in and out of lineup that at the end of the season we ought to just
2: waive yeah. well, a five-year he,
0: period and just put, slam dunk him into the Hall of fame. On him last year. Uh, But this matchup it, in particular just does not seem to favor the Colts. I can't see any matchup that I like with the Colts outside of T.Y. Hilton, but you got to, like you said, the Patriots are going to find some way to jam him or double him or take him out of the equation. Let's go to uh, back in the NFC. Let's talk about that 49ers and Panthers mm-hmm. game. Uh, I did the 49er Panther game earlier in the season, and uh, the Panthers were magnificent on the road. Now, Colin Kaepernick wasn't playing as well. He did not have Michael Crabtree back at mm-hmm. that time, and uh, Alden Smith was just coming back after having been away for a few games, so really wasn't back into the to the groove of it, uh, and the Panthers' defense looked really good. But this is going to be a little bit different Forty Nine er team than the Panthers faced all but on the road in Candlestick Park. Yeah,
1: right in I think it's going to be a very different, very different Forty Nine ers team because Michael they haven't lost a game since Michael Crabtree's been back. They're six and zero, and like you said, he wasn't there. The other remember when Vernon Davis came out of that game with a concussion? So they were missing him, too. So when, Kra- when Kaepernick went back to pass, man, there was there was hardly anybody to throw to. And he had 91 yards passing. And you mentioned Alden Smith, and he had just come back. He, he came back, but he didn't play. He only played 12 snaps. I think he was just trying to ease back into the thing. And it was uh, the worst offensive output from the 49ers all season. It was kind of a surprising game, and, and uh, we know the Panthers have a great defense. We know that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see all of these new healthy weapons for the 49er offense. And then you have a Steve Smith on the other side that is trying to get healthy. Thank God they had a bye because maybe Steve Smith makes it back. This will be a completely different game. And the 49ers, Brian, are the best team in the, in the league at traveling. They're 7-2. and two. They've won seven games on the road. So because it's a veteran team, uh, I don't think that travel bothers him so much or crowd noise bothers him so much.
0: You know what occurs to me after having seen that first game and all the things you just outlined, how it's a different 49er team. But, but again, the West Coast, East Coast, and they do that very, very well. Uh, but the thing that that, that I think has uh, occurred to me anyway is that you're talking about both defenses are likely to play well. Both are committed to the run and will do so effectively against mm. tough defenses. Both have quarterbacks they're going to make a fair share of plays with their legs, maybe mm-hmm. convert a third down or two. So if those matchups are all pretty much even, then what it's going to come down to, I think, is the ability of these two really good but young quarterbacks to beat the other team throwing the ball. And that's where I think Colin Kaepernick has an advantage cuz Steve or, or, or Cam Newton, although he's he's played very very well, still doesn't quite have the efficiency from the pocket when he's got to do those things compared to what I see in Kaepernick.
1: I kind of agree with you there, Brian, and I and I think that I don't know if the, there's a difference in the quarterbacks themselves, but I think there's a difference in their weapons. I, I think I would prefer to have a Vernon Davis, uh, Michael Crabtree, and Quan Bolden receiving core uh, over what Cam has, and, and I think that's where the v- advantage is. And My God, these two guys, these two guys, when they pull it down, hold your breath because they can score from anywhere on the field. They're the two leading rushers and touchdown makers from quarterback that we have in the league. And uh, you're right, who's going to throw the ball better because these uh, these are mirrored images of each other's teams uh, with the defense and run games.
0: Yeah, and and both. Uh, The other thing that makes that aspect of it intriguing is, both these teams, I think, are capable of putting pressure on the quarterback with just a four-man rush. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do as many of those things in the back end that we saw, for instance, against Green Bay that made them so vulnerable when Colin Kaepernick was able to pull it down against that man coverage. Mm-hmm. So both these secondaries can can rely on that four-man rush. Not that they won't bring the other guys. They will. They'll change it up, both coordinators, Vic Fangio, uh, and, and obviously uh, in, in Carolina as well. They're 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 going to bring some pressures, but they can get home with the four man rush, and so that secondary is going to be able to do some things that are going to pause those quarterbacks maybe to hesitate a little bit.
1: Yeah, and and I think the key of this game is going to be taking care of the football. I think the turnover differential will determine the outcome of this game. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Niners have only turned the ball over once in the last four games. And so uh, it, it'll come down to a sack strip fumble or a, or a tip ball pass interception. Uh, it, it'll be that close. Can't wait for this thing to happen.
0: Well, I had a chance to, to visit with Ron Rivera earlier today uh, to talk about his preparation, his team's preparations for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Why don't you take us through a little bit of what your bye week was like going into the uh, wild card round?
2: So for the most part, what we did was we just, you know, pretty much brought him in on Wednesday, did a, t- uh, a film review of the game, went through some of the corrections out on the practice field, and then cut them loose. Then brought him in on Thursday and Friday, and we did a uh, basically a regular practice. We wanted to work on some of the things that we felt we had to going forward. The one plus uh, offensively was. We were going to face a 3-4 defense no matter what. So we got to work on some some stuff offensively that we felt we could attack a 3-4 with. Uh, coverages are coverages, so that was no problem. Defense, it was a little bit more difficult, so we really focused in on where uh, problem plays that gave us problem running the ball, throwing the ball, stuff like that. So we really got a chance to focus in on that. And then as far as special teams was concerned, we just kind of honed our, our, our different teams. And then uh, brought them in on Saturday at a set of, set of meetings for the most part. And really just wanted to get the guys moving around, getting some blood flowing, and then we cut them loose and then brought them back in today and uh, started getting to work on San Francisco.
0: And, and Coach, what do you do to, to kind of make sure they understand? I know teams that have not been in the playoffs more readily or more recently, and you're used to this because you've been in the playoffs before, but sometimes it's hard for players that haven't been in that playoff atmosphere to understand that, you know, just because there are only four teams playing, or I should say eight teams, but four games this weekend, all that media that normally covers 16 games, it's still out there. I mean, it's—I mean, everything gets focused down to these four games. Do you help them kind of deal with that a little bit? Yes, we do. You
2: know, one of the things that I've done, Brian, was really talk about just how important everything was all throughout the season. For the most part, once we got halfway through, every game we played was, was kind of a, a playoff. You know, we, we were working to, to – Catch up to Saints, and then we were being pushed by uh, San Francisco and Arizona. So every game we got down the stretch was real important. When we played New Orleans the first time and lost, you know the next three games were playoff games basically. We, you know we had to come back, we had to beat the Jets, and we had to turn around, and beat New Orleans to take the lead in the division, and then we had to we had to beat Atlanta to win the division. So for the most part, we tried to make players understand just how important those three games were. So going forward you know, to us, this is just another play I've played already.
0: Now, how much can you draw from, of course, did your game against San Francisco and San Francisco where you had that great road win? They're a little bit different team. They've got uh, Mike Crabtree back, uh, Alden Smith. He had just come back into it at that point. So, obviously, there are some differences. But how much can you really draw from that previous game going into this one?
2: Well, I think for the most part what we've done is we've looked at what we did in terms of preparation try to understand how we, we prepared for these guys the first time. And now going forward, we're going to start preparing for them based on what they've done lately. The thing that is interesting, and I do agree, Michael Crabtree is back. Kaepernick is playing with so much confidence compared to the first time. It was kind of like he was feeling his way through the beginning of the year. Now you really see him. He's, he's doing some really good things. And then defensively, again, having Smith back doesn't make a difference.
0: Well, uh, and speaking of Steve Smith, how's, uh, how's he doing? What, what do you think his status is for the weekend?
2: Well, looking forward to having Steve back. You know, he, he had a good workout today. Uh, we'll get him out on the field on uh, on Wednesday and really get a good feel for it. But uh, he's looking – everything's pointing positive, so I feel pretty comfortable about him being ready to go.
0: And and in terms of Cam's preparation, you have – you, you two, the two teams are really quite similar. You're both playing great defense. You're both wholly committed to the run. Both quarterbacks are going to make a fair share of play with their legs, whether it be a third down conversion or just during the course of the game. So it seems like the real difference in the game may come down to which quarterback has a better day throwing the ball.
2: I think it's a combination of both, and, and you brought it up, Brian. I, I think the thing is, you know, they're going to run. They got to pick the right time to run. But at the same point, when they're when they're sitting in their pocket and they do throw the ball downfield, they make plays. That just adds to the other dimension. Both guys are very dangerous. You've got to make sure you're, you're you're keeping them in front of you. You're containing them, but at the same time, you don't want to give them too much time to find those receivers down downfield down because they've got such a good arm. So it will come down, I think, to the guy that runs at the right opportunity and then makes the big plays throwing the ball.
0: Well, Coach, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck this weekend. We're all going to be watching.
2: Great. I appreciate it, Coach. And as we
0: heard there, Steve, it sounds like Coach Revere is very confident that mm-hmm. Steve Smith will play in the game, and that will be huge. It will be tough, I think, for Carolina to try to take on the 49ers without Steve Smith.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's great. that he's playing. That bye week was very important
0: for them well, let's go to the last game industry. We've talked about the the chargers and the great win they had on the road against Kansas City. They now go up against a familiar foe in the Denver Broncos, and as you alluded to, you know the the teams remaining in the AFC are all teams that have beaten the Broncos, clearly the broncos the the favorite the number one seed coming in. But the good thing if I see for the chargers obviously is compared to some other teams that maybe aren't familiar with Denver or have not been into Denver, They this is very familiar territory for them, so they're going to be very comfortable going into Mile High.
1: Yeah, and it makes the Denver Broncos, Brian, pretty nervous, too, because for whatever reason it is, John Pagano's defensive scheme gives Denver problems. In fact, the two lowest yardage games all season were against the uh, uh, San Diego Chargers. And so, you know, and so I went back. And I looked at Game Rewind. You look at Game Rewind? Oh, are you kidding? I live with it on. I sleep with it. Yeah, and so you could be cutting the grass. You see that commercial? Anyway, <laughs> um, I watched that game a couple nights ago again, and I tried to figure out what is John Pagano trying to do. Is he playing a lot of bump-and-run man and trying to lock these guys down? Because we had him on Thursday night football, San Diego, at the Broncos. And you know what? San Diego dominated that game. Just dominated it. I know the score was 27 20, but they ran the ball for 177 yards and, and held Denver to 18 yards rushing. The time of possession was almost 39 minutes to, to 19. It was really a lopsided football game. But what I saw uh, John Pagano's defense doing was a really good mix of man. Off man, bump and run man. They played two zone, they played two man, they played three. They really kind of messed with Peyton's mind a little bit and, and, uh, he, he hit the blitzes in a timely fashion, stopped the run. It was an incredible game plan and, and, uh, I think it was his variety that, uh, you know, and then they, they, they pressured Peyton Manning and sacked him a few times and, and uh, so this is the team I think the Broncos are a
0: little concerned about. The Chargers have, have been giving them grief now for a while. Yeah, and when you look at those matchups that you alluded to, that in neither game, even the one they won, uh, Denver just really couldn't get any rushing game going. And, and obviously, you can do some things as, as you alluded to. John Pagano's going to change things up, and and he's got he's figured out the puzzle that says, look, I'm going to I'm going to present Peyton with as many options to run the ball as I can. Give them the right number count in the box and all that kind of stuff. And, and at the end of the day, uh, if they can't run the ball better than they did, uh, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a long day for them. Even in that game they won 27-20, you go to the first one, Denver only ran for 18 yards on 11 carries. You know, Peyton had to throw the ball 41 times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the running game of, and, and, and San Diego uh, ran for 177 yards in that first game and, and they lost. Uh, or excuse me I'm talking about the one that they won and the one that the Broncos but it's not like it's not like the Broncos had gotten so far ahead that Peyton had to throw the ball he he ran, he didn't run the ball cuz he didn't see any profit in running the ball and uh I, I agree with you. I think I do uh playbook with Sterling Sharp and he's been singing the praise of the Chargers. He says the Chargers uh he thinks they're going to beat the Broncos. I don't know how he's going to pick this weekend. I'm going to do playbooks again this weekend. But last week he <laughs> I like the watching NBA that show. They that's good stuff. That, uh, they were you guys in Baldy
1: and uh the Rutgers guy over there. And then uh but the other thing is, you know, where I think that San Diego might just go in there and get him. They are getting better. You know, they do run the ball. Ryan Matthews has been healthy. What a great get with Danny Woodhead. My God. Um, but these two youngsters, Keenan Allen, the rookie from Cal, right, and the kid Ladarius Green, the tight end, the new tight end, who's complimenting Antonio Gates very, very well. These kids are getting pretty darn good. And, and I think they're a confident team, having beaten them up there already and running the ball, run defense. I mean, they're becoming a pretty darn com- complete football team. So, uh, this one this one is going to be I want to be watching this one with interest
0: because this could be another one and done for those Denver Broncos. Well, that would be that would be brutal and I I get a sense, you know, you saw on the broadcast and prior to it they were talking about how loose the Chargers were because the Chargers kind of feel like they're playing on house money, you know, the way they got into it with the muff at the end with Kansas yep. City and all yep. the other losses. And, you know, being in that situation sometimes it's like, look, this is this is the football gods have decided to do this for us. So we probably don't really even belong here anyway, so let's just <laughs> let the thing go. we with No pressure on us whatsoever. And you're right, Denver, who's been the number one seed really from day one all season long. They might, and Peyton Manning and the weather and the below 40 degrees and all this, that and the other, They, they that tightness may show up with the Chargers, a loose group coming yeah. in going, hey, let's just have at this thing.
1: Here, and I think they're, the Chargers are a year ahead of schedule, you know, with the new head coach and Mike McCoy and his staff, and new systems, and, well, they were lucky enough to keep John Pagano around, but, but uh, you know, with the young receivers, but don't you think there's a little bit of pressure, to on Phillip Rivers, here. look at this. He's 10 years in the league now, basically, and that draft class, that quarterback draft class from '4 with Eli having won two Super Bowls, with Ben having won two Super Bowls and losing one, um, pressure on Phillip Rivers to, to finally get a you know, a Super Bowl appearance or win because the rest of his draft class has
0: done that, Brian? Yeah, I think it may be, but I think that's just for Philip Rivers. The guys around him, I don't think that those coaches weren't a part of that. The yep. team's not a part of that. So yeah, does he feel a little bit of that pressure? Like, and as though he's got to do a little bit more. Uh, yeah, there's, there's the possibility of that, but he's also finding out he's had a great season with, with Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and the unbelievable year he had, Tom Brady with the wall he overcame, Drew Brees through for another 5,000 yard season, uh, and all the things that are going on. Phillip Rivers has just flown under the radar in terms It's maybe his best season, almost 70% completions. What was it, 32 or 33 touchdowns, only 10 or 11 interceptions. So compared to the last couple of years where maybe he was pressed a little bit, maybe he's learned that lesson that, look, I'm not going to force myself. I've got the running game going a little bit. Hopefully the formula works for him because he's a fun player to watch.
1: Yeah, and, and and I like
0: North Turner's offenses,
1: and they've been good together, but I think they had some injuries, you know, in the last couple of years and lost some good players too. But in Mike McCoy's uh, version of uh, this kind of a hybrid offense with the West Coast, you know, the run game, the short intermediate passes, and ball control stuff has been really good for Phillip Rivers.
0: Yeah, and Ken not the offensive coordinator, yep. has done a heck of a job. So going to be a great weekend of football yep. once again. Well, that's it for the Coaches Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and join us again next week. Thanks for listening.